0: hello and welcome to another episode of for the love of sports my name is michael Brazil, and this is the show where we get to talk about sports we get to talk about business and we get to talk about everything in between however you're listening you know what you need to do if you're on youtube click like click subscribe leave a comment if you're on spotify we got video spotify just me and joe rogan make sure to give a five-star review <laughs> and obviously apple as well five-star review tell me some nice things tell me how great scott was because scott is my incredible guest today. I have Scott Perillo. He's the VP of Marketing at UCAN. Scott, how's it going today, man?
1: That's fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Please, the pleasure is all mine. This is a show I get to have fun talking to people who are just super passionate about things. And they're like, yeah, sure. I'll give you 30 minutes to ask me all the questions you want. That's like, it's my dream, man. It's my dream. I love a good conversation. I'm pretty sure we're going to have it. We're going to start it off like we start off every conversation here. Scott, you know the question. Everybody knows the question at this point. (laughs) Why do you love sports so much? Uh, I mean, what what's not to love?
1: I, I I would say there there are two things that nothing else can top, and and clearly, the media world's recognizing that, Amazon's recognizing that, Apple's app recognizing that. It's the the live entertainment aspect that is an outlet for so many things. Uh, it's an outlet for my competitiveness, you know, as as uh, Father of two in my forties with a demanding job, you know, to take that time on a Sunday to watch my Patriots. I think you're from Jersey, right? So I might be might, right? might rub you uh, a little bit. Uh, or, no, or... no,
0: 18 and oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, keep yeah. going. I apologize. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, that's okay. Hey. Uh,
0: we've both won you won a Super Bowl. We both won a Super Bowl since then. It doesn't really matter at this point. It's too <laughs> long ago anyway.
1: So so there's that outlet. For me, there's you know, in business, I try to be pretty even keeled and data driven. And given my background, um, as, as you may have seen, like I, I'm an analytical guy, try to keep things in, you know, data driven. Uh, that's certainly a way for me to, you know, express emotion and, and have fun um, enjoying a game and and just break away from the work life balance kind of thing. And then I think the other side of it is it's not always about outcomes, you know, it's not always just if you won or lost. And, you know, this that's a great example with the Pats 18-0 and 0, uh, and the Manning Manningham catch on the helmet. I still think about that, but it's those moments, right? It's not just that final play where you win or lose, but it's everything that led up to that. And I think there are a lot of lessons that we can learn in life and in business, you know, from sports where it's your journey to whatever it is, is the culmination of your season or your career or your life. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about the little experiences that we have. And for me, that's, a, it's, a, it's always a great reminder of the importance of that. And as you see your kids grow up, if, if you have kids uh, or anyone listening has kids, you know, there are moments that mark uh, in our minds, you know, certain stages where they develop. And uh, I think sports is representative of that. But I think it's, a- yeah. Really focused way, right?
0: Yeah, 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 I appreciate that answer. It's really interesting. And it brings up a couple questions. First, just a little, just a little correction. Manningham was actually the second Super Bowl. David Tyree was the helmet catch. Ah, uh, you're get, right. I'm sorry. We oh please. I try you to forget ha- these games. You don't have to be sorry <laughs> to me, Scott. Do not worry. I am completely okay with that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. gives me a little bit of ins- so. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's fine. We're all we're we're all good here. All um, right, David I, think it's, I think it's really interesting though. You bring up the analytical nature, and someone might say, hey. Vice President of Marketing, um, uh, Brand Marketing, right? Your global global head, uh, global brand strategy at Maui Gym. I'm excited to get into mm-hmm. that aspect. And I think, right? So, you know, analytics, like in sports, has done what it kind of has in marketing, right? Like, it's once we started to get all this data, right? Like, you've watched Mad Men, I'm assuming, or you've obviously mm-hmm. seen Mad Men. It yeah. was, oh, we're going out, we're having a good time, just make some cute copy, could have pulled a picture on it, that's marketing, right? And now, yeah. you know, we're seeing the shift in marketing to be, yeah, obviously, there's an extremely important creative side, there's an extremely important, you know, that entire side of the business, but so, so, so much more of it is becoming analytical, and I can almost, you can, you can make that connection in sports as well, right? With baseball over the last 10, 15 years, now with football and pro football, folks focus and now you have you know whoop bands on all the hockey players so you can see you know what their heart rate is on and off the ice so like yeah. that that part of marketing is really interesting to me is that what is that what kind of brought you into the marketing side was that purely analytical nature of of where kind of the the industry quote-unquote is going it was <clears throat>
1: it it evolved as i was growing as a brand manager uh early in my career so i I started my career with Nielsen on the client service side. Um, at the time, digital marketing was really exploding. This is early 2000s. And it, we, we always treated it as a separate vertical within the marketing plan. So you would have your plan, which was driven by print and TV. Um, and then you'd have the digital marketing side, which is completely separate and measurable, which mm-hmm. made marketers a little anxious at the time. Cause it, you know, all of a sudden you're accountable for what if we suck? The... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're spending millions of dollars I was at on the Nivea brand at the time, you know, we're spending millions of dollars. How do we know that that's actually returning an investment? And suddenly there's a way that, you know, pretty quickly, whether that's working or not. And certainly that's evolved since then. And now you have it, it, digital marketing is marketing and you have to be, it's not accountability anymore. It's it's learning from the real-time feedback that you're getting from consumers to drive decision-making. And I think that's the major shift that's changed in marketing, where suddenly everything's measurable. Um, and it's not about creating brand halo anymore. It's now about how are we growing, what's driving the growth, and how do we accelerate that? And you use data to do that
0: before digital marketing right so you said the early 2000s is when a lot of this stuff started to explode early 2000s that puts me at like 13 14 years old give or take right so no offense I'm just trying for to making give me feel just, old. <laughs> just a little bit of context just a little bit of context but like oh, what good. what was market like what would a a mediums like obviously procter and gamble can buy any com- commercial that they want you know ford and blah 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 what did like mm-hmm. medium and small brands do before digital marketing right like I mean, there's only so many print ads that they could possibly buy. They're not really able to produce and put on TV commercials like they are a simple TikTok, right? Like, and obviously things are different now, but like, what did they do before? It was a very, very
1: different world. Um, You would run banner ads on Yahoo and a 0.1% click rate was like. Through the roof. You, you, you just, (laughs) yeah, you rocked it, you know? And, and, But what were you driving them to? You didn't know because we didn't really have the measures on our own website. It was more about creating awareness to get people into Target and Walmart and so forth. So uh, it was, um, you know, I can recall distinctly having publishers come in and pitch us on the value of print and the impressions and the number of, you know, subscribers that were going up. Meanwhile, we're seeing all the free subscriptions they're giving out. It was uh, definitely a time of transition. In the marketing world and there was a lot of uncomfortability if that's a word on the marketer side because they didn't really understand digital marketing but then you know we're also getting the the traditional marketing channels were getting a lot of pressure to deliver more measurable approaches to market because that was becoming available so you know, there were only so many Napster ads you could run if I'm dating myself a little. <laughs> <laughs> you dated yourself on that one. I didn't even I didn't even bring up Napster, but it was, it was, revolutionary well, that was the thing. It was it was right right when Facebook was becoming um a force in the advertising mm-hmm. world. You know, they just opened up advertising and that was game changing and that really set the tone for the next, you know, whatever it's been
0: 15 years. So you got into brand marketing, and it's always <laughs> mm-hmm. very interesting. Brand is such a I don't want. I, I know it's not a subjective term, but if you ask ten different people what a brand is, they're going to give you ten different answers. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. from your perspective, what is what is a brand and what is brand marketing?
1: A brand is. <laughs> I'm going to give you the answer you probably don't want. A Brand is what it means to you. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, a good answer. It's. I think there's a there was a day and age, probably the Mad Men days, where it's like our brand is going to mean this. And we're going to stand for this. And that's what we believe in. Uh, that's no longer the case. You do not have, as a you know, brand director or manager, or whatever, you, you don't have control of that anymore. You can only embrace what consumers are telling you. Uh, and that's an important lesson, especially for someone who's been in this for a little while, like myself, where if you dictate what you are, um, you're, you're missing out on an opportunity to engage consumers on, what they think you are and their perception of you that could help build, build community. I think that's um, an important lesson. I think the, so another example from my, my days at Nivea, we sponsored uh, New Year's Eve in Times Square. And we had launched a lip care brand and it was the kiss of the year. And it was a very uh, it, it was an appropriate platform for us, given the branding that we had at the time and, it was all about kiss and be kissed. And clearly that was the biggest event around kissing. But a lot of it was just uh, noise in the market. Right. You're, you're dealing with so many things on New Year's Eve. Are people really paying attention to NBC? Uh, does, does anyone care about CeeLo Green performing on our stage? We don't know. So then to try to measure it, you look at retail. Um Now, I think there are many ways in which you can understand the impact of a brand through social media conversations, through, you know, there there are so many data feeds that you can leverage to say, am I building a brand that's going to propel growth in the future? Or am I building a brand because of an ideal that I have and I'm really not listening to the consumer? And like I said, that's an important lesson for any marketer that's listening to step back and, and understand, is it my agenda that I'm pushing forward or am I catering to what the consumer wants and needs? Because that, that's where you're going to win.
0: How do you differentiate that though, right? Because you think you're doing what's best for the consumer, right? Like that's that's the whole goal is that I want mm-hmm. I want them to wear Nivea when they get when they kiss or be kissed, right? Like that's super, right. not, that's the idea and you're trying to do what's best, what you think is best. So how do you kind of, how do you have that North Star without being so attached to it like you need a north star, right? You need a direction to go in. But how do mm-hmm. you have that and and be flexible enough to say, hey, like we're actually kind of veering to the left a little bit. Like maybe maybe we kind of check this route out. Like like how do you kind of go about that? Especially you know as high up in positions as you've been, where you're you're strategizing for all this.
1: Well, one of the most amazing things about the new digital marketing universe, which it, which it is, is that you get real time feedback, and you can test and test and test. And I tell my team often, you know, the difference between that shade of red and another shade of red or, you know, whatever it is, a guy doing a pushup versus a woman planking. Like we shouldn't spend time debating which one is right. Put them out there. We can get real time feedback, test it very quickly, learn from the data and then move forward. And if you embrace that kind of mindset, I think there's a lot of opportunity to be nimble and learn and, and you'll be more successful quickly. And then that's when you ramp when you find that success you invest and you'll see the growth Uh, i think you know even harking back to my my nielsen days there would be a four-week lag on data you know so we could do this big thing in times square and then four weeks later we would find out if it had an impact at retail or not and if it didn't we'd have to find reasons why and kind of understand that Um, if it did great that must have been that activation You know, that's a one time thing. And then we'll plan for it next year. Uh, That's no longer the case, of course. And I think that um, this whole real time feedback is more of an opportunity to learn quickly than it is um, something that's going to prove you right or wrong.
0: Isn't it wild now that it could take four weeks to get that data? And then if it didn't come in the way you wanted it, I'm assuming it took another four weeks to kind of come up with the story on why it didn't work. <laughs> Isn't that always fun? So yeah, yeah. I guess you save the company a couple dollars not having to waste two months of their life. But it's just That's so, right. it's crazy to me, especially with how quickly things have changed. It's that it is immediate. Like you know, if something works or not within days, like, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's less depending. Like if your marketing budget is high enough, you can find that out in. In hours right like it's pretty wild uh how quickly some of that stuff works and so i, w- I do want to talk about your time at maui gym a little bit with like okay. like global brand strategy like that's that's oof, that's a, that's a mouthful that's big that means a lot like maui Jim is such a cool brand right i feel like i'm drinking a cocktail on the beach with my hawaiian shirt on <laughs> right and that's why i have my glasses on how do you like sure. how do you come up with like a how much fun does that have to be being able to work for a brand like that? But also like where, how do you strategize for that? Especially in the world of sports where, you know, Hey, people need to wear sunglasses. Oakley's kind of king of the castle, or, or maybe I could be incorrect there. How do you kind of carve that niche out with, you know, what you're trying to do as a brand as in Maui gym.
1: Uh, the, the, the biggest challenge for us at Maui gym is we, we were a global brand for the most part. Um, they, the, marketing leadership um, resided in different regions and different countries. So you could go to Australia and see Maui gym as a brand, but your perception of the brand would be, uh, uh, you know, Tiki dolls and Hula skirts and, mm-hmm. you know, and then you'd go to Europe and you would see uh, a brand that was very geared toward golf and tennis. And then what we were trying to create in the U S was a premium lifestyle brand catered to, and after I joined, we we discovered the the insight, catered to an audience that believed quality of life came from quality in life, right? Which is more of a mindset approach as a marketer versus we're going to be a brand for export or we're we're a brand that stands for Hawaii. We were trying to be something that represented the lifestyle that our, our consumers lived. And so uh, instituting that sort of strategy into those markets where we were already successful was, was a tall task. Yeah, and, and you're dealing with, uh, local marketing leads in a good way. I mean, it was a yeah. the cult, it was in Aloha culture, right? I mean, it was very friendly, exactly what you think it would be. It was, was what it was. Um, but trying to take this, I, this platform, that was global in nature, was the core of the brand and and focused on the pillars of the brand and bring that to market was
0: really my biggest challenge there. So you have that challenge, right? And and, I mean, the challenge of a just having not a different brand, but a a different almost kind of message, if I may, you please correct me, correct me where you need to in these different markets. Like, first off, that just has to be fragmented and, and, you know, time consuming from your part. But then, as you said, you found this interesting piece in the US market how quickly did you realize if it was going to work right we're talking about you can figure out something very quickly now like how quickly was it implemented how difficult was it as you said it was your biggest challenge how difficult was it to do that and i guess where were some of the pitfalls where were some of the things you're like obviously this isn't going to work here and hey we're just going to go back to the way it was or or change what we're doing Uh,
1: the transition was the hardest part
0: um and not in buy-in right it wasn't in
1: uh, getting the country managers and or the marketing leads to buy into like, this is the strategy. This is the brand. It was more, we've been in market in this, you know, whatever it was in Australia with this kind of display, this kind of branding for 10 years. How do we unpack that when we're dealing with 3000 independent retailers where every store is a little bit different and nuanced and we have to create sort of a, an entirely new brand brand positioning an appeal at shelf or at retail, that was the biggest challenge and, and doing that in a way that was not just an exercise and rolling it out, but really creating noise around that and, and uh, creating programs with each of those retailers to make it successful in the transition that we weren't alienating the customers. Like we were very successful in growing aggressively in those countries, but doing it in a way that helped us, um, Position the brand the way that I felt we need to be positioned globally, uh, but do it very quickly. And it did take about two years, very quickly to, to, two roll, years. to roll that out.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? I, I but guess it
1: was a it was a roller coaster.
0: I, sure. I can only imagine. I, I have a couple more questions. Like if if you are successful in these markets, very successful mm-hmm. as you've been putting it and i'm not a rest on your loyal's guy we all know if you if you kind of slow down in the world of retail in the world of marketing you're going to get passed very quickly why mm-hmm. not double down on what was already working right if something working is working very well why did you feel the need to say you know what like we believe that this is because consumers are different all over the world so why was there i guess that need if if i may to go in and say hey let's let's change this even though it's working let's go ahead and change this
1: a large component of our go to market strategy globally was travel retail. So you're inherently getting consumers who maybe from Europe going to Asia or maybe mm-hmm. from Asia going to Europe. And so for me to, to truly build the brand in a meaningful way, that consistency was paramount. You had to have an experience with the brand um, at a retailer at the at the airport in France that was consistent with what you knew of the brand at home, Mm -hmm. if you knew, if you knew of the brand at home and, you know, we were building from the core. So that became a priority for us. Um, And I didn't think of it as a pivot or a shift necessarily. It was more an elevation of the brand in the minds of consumers. They felt like we were a premium brand that deserved the price point that we were listed at, which was very consistent globally.
0: And it sounds like it, even though it was different in all three of these markets, right, within the US, within within Europe, and within Australia, there was still that connection to the quality of life that you were talking about, right? In, in mm-hmm. Australia, it's not, hey, if you're hanging out with peaky people in tiki torches, or I'm sorry, in, in tiki skirts, like, I'm sure there's some enjoyment there. If you're in, you know, you're hanging out on a golf course in Europe, I mean, there's some people that's their dream, right? So like, right. the quality of life aspect seems like it at least went across all three of those markets. And it was more of a that was the point of connection rather than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and really we wanted to live up to the expectations set by consumers who either engaged with the brand in my, in, in Hawaii, you know, in Maui, um, or were told by a friend who had done that, had gone through that experience, you know, on the pool decks of, of the, the Hyatt in Maui and tried on the sunglasses and were blown away by the technology uh, that premium, brand appeal had to come through and and in some markets i I don't know that we were delivering on that so that was really the impetus for for the what i considered a fast change but it you know yeah depends on where you you sit
0: it's the titanic right you're steering steering the titanic it takes a minute to get to where you're going and and over two years to completely change that brand is incredible so kudos and congratulations to you so maui jim awesome Awesome brand. I mean, who doesn't, again, it's as you said, you put it perfectly. It's an Aloha brand. If I see some yeah. guy in a Maui Jim shirt or uh, sunglasses, I'm sure that guy's a good time. I'm sure he's down to hang out for a little while by the pool and, and talk some sauce. But uh, I'm curious, you had a couple other stops along the way, but now currently with UCAN, you're the vice president of marketing. A lot to do with athlete energy and, and that nature, health and wellness, right? So, slight shift, but I guess I want to hear it from you. What exactly is UCAM? What do you do there? And how are you helping the people?
1: More than a slight shift. <laughs> uh, no question. It, it's, you know, we, we, we talk about ourselves. I would say we're a scale up company um, because we have market adoption. And now it's about, you know, aggressive growth and, and growth trajectory. Uh, We've got some backing from major investors like Kellogg and a company called S2G. But what was interesting for me as a marketer was there was this product that um, was designed for a, a child who had a disease that the founders and the family of the founders, they were trying to cure and it was it was something where he had to be fed through a tube every two hours, day and night to wow. stay alive. He, he couldn't maintain any glucose in his body. And I won't go too deep, but <clears throat> excuse me. But um, the origins were authentic. And then it, it was almost like a biotech company. Then they went out and did clinical trials and a lot of research to prove the efficacy of the product, that it could deliver a sustained stream of energy over time. And then. I don't know if I should say this or not. Um, my my favorite football team, uh, a, a local women's basketball team in the state of Connecticut, in which I live, and many other championship teams started adopting the products as part of their nutrition regimen. And you know, the nutritionists around the teams would uh, ask the players to use it, and they would sort of be like, "What's in this stuff? Why is this working?" So there were three. So there were you know there were players on you know, uh, the NFL team who would be like, what's in here? Like, is this legal? I feel better in the fourth quarter than I did in the first. So there there were kind of three things um, that were proof points for me that there was opportunity here to create a brand and and, uh, market the products in a way that would get broad success. And so with the investment from some key players like Kellogg, uh, I felt like we could Take this credibility and, and established credibility with with the best of the best athletes in the world, and and make something that was more mainstream to to compete with Gatorade and, and Body Armor and Powerade, and and those kinds of brands in the energy space.
0: I love the authenticity authenticity of that story. I think that's extremely extremely important. Um, we'll get yeah. to my Alex Guerrero question in a minute because I'm sure you know what it is. But more importantly, how how does this go from helping this child you know stay alive to yeah, we'll do some research on this. This is kind of cool too. Now professional athletes are using it. There's like a couple steps there that I feel like we're missing in between. So I don't know, again, you you said you probably shouldn't say this, so we don't need to go too deep, but like, how does that, how does it get into their hands? Is, is, was that, was this a couple years down the road where they're like, Hey, like this is kind of cool. Let's see what happens. Or how does that even like come about?
1: There was a a researcher at Yale. Uh, Her name is Kathy Yuckel. Brilliant, brilliant woman. Uh, she was brought into the clinical trials and said, "You know what? She's a human metabolism researcher. That's her her role at Yale. Um, pretty credible, you know." Expert yeah, I'm gonna believe her. In, in the <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she she informed the founders of the company, like, "You have something here that's really it's it's good, not just for you know you know helping. They didn't cure the disease, but to help Jonah the, the child." sleep through the night because it delivers energy without spiking blood sugar. That's really the key to, to, to our sauce. She recommended we go to the basketball team and the football team and just test it out, you know, and, and get feedback. And what we saw was you, if, if you take a product that's that's sugar laden, you're spiking your blood sugar and then you, you kind of work through the crash, We've all experienced, if you drink a cup of coffee in the morning, you know when that coffee is kind of wearing off. Right, So you had the high of the stimulant and then you you have to rescue your body <clears throat> from that crash. And if you think about performing or pushing your body to the limit in something um, like a football player might for four quarters, which is three and a half hours, which is a long time. By the time you get to the end of the game, you're, you're really rescuing yourself from like, you know, like I'm just going to pull myself together and get through this game and survive it. If we have a solution that can just deliver consistent levels of energy over a course of two, three, four hours, you don't have to go through that roller coaster. You know, you don't have to deal with with that part. You can you can stay focused, not fight fatigue and perform at a really high level. And so that was kind of the think, the thinking going into the research. And that has translated into many, many professional teams purchasing product from us, despite some of the other large sponsors in the space.
0: That's I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Like, not not stumbling upon something like this, right? It was it was born out of necessity, and that it's an awesome necessity, right? As you said, right. like that's just such a cool way for this to come about. How how does that work though? Right? Like i I drink a cup of coffee every day. I, I limit myself to one. I don't like that 230 coffee. Right? I'll have a protein bar which has way too much sugar in it, but man, they just taste mm-hmm. so delicious. So I'm gonna continue to eat them, right? And it's mm-hmm. not bad to have protein, I guess. And like how I I, obviously you can't tell us everything, but how does the technology work behind the product to actually allow sustain? Cause that sounds like, why, why am I not having one of those instead of coffee every day? Like, well, sell me on it, Scott, what are we doing? Yeah. Well,
1: it is. And that's honestly, that's our biggest challenge is it's um, a very technical kind of thing. That's not top of mind, right? You don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I wish I had more sustained energy in my life. You know, if I could just be balanced throughout the day,
0: I do say be I'm amazing. tired though. Every morning I wake up, I'm like, damn, I'm tired. Like, I need yeah. my coffee. Like, I want to go. Hey, I want my you can instead.
1: Well, sure. But this isn't this isn't something that you could you could eat one of our bars and you'd be like jolted, right? You're not gonna just it's you're not gonna feel that stimulant. But 30 minutes later, you're gonna be like, wow, I kind of feel good. What's going on here? Right. So there that instant gratification isn't there. But what it is doing is just giving you a little bit of, of glucose at a time so that your body can actually choose between burning glucose, which is carbs, uh, or or burn fat. And it creates sort of a hybrid model in your body so that you're really optimally using your energy stores for whatever it is you're doing, whether it's just um, you know focusing on meetings and, and work you have to do, or if you're gearing up for a workout, you can self-select internally without even thinking about it. So you can perform at a higher level.
0: Sounds scary. Don't sounds like you shouldn't eat this at like <laughs> eight o'clock at night though. That would be that. Would so, be,
1: so tell me if you think of the best basketball player in the world who is still playing,
0: I'll just pick a random guy in my head. Okay. Sounds good.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, he uses it before bed because of the slow delivery. It's not a stimulant. It's not, um, it's not gonna wake up your system it's not gonna give you jitters it's just gonna give you enough so that when he wakes up he's not starving or he's not feeling deprived of energy he wakes up and he feels good hmm um, my, my son who's a soccer player uh, the other night was making a smoothie before bed and I said oh throw some of the the superstar or the, the lift steady in there our key ingredient we used to call it superstarch Um, And and throw some of that in there, and he's like, "Oh no, I want to go to sleep. I don't want it to keep me up." It's like it's not going to do that. It's not going to give you any kind of stimulus that will prevent you from falling asleep like you normally would. It's actually going to make you
0: wake up feeling refreshed. That sounds incredible. I think you just solved like I don't know half of America's (laughs) problem like right there. So like the the challenge we
1: the challenge we have is I don't have more than six seconds to explain that to a consumer and athlete i do in this form got, right so that's, that's the work that we're doing yeah. yeah no that, I think that is that, absolutely the work we're doing
0: that is yeah it's so true everything is six second clips now that's why all the yeah. creative it's like hey do you have the six seconds i need those for this channel that's mm-hmm. always fun um man that is like pretty incredible stuff like how so so you go from let's talk about like the marketing journey a little bit with this product so you go from mm-hmm. okay helping not cure disease but making extremely much easier to live with, right? Shout out Jonah. Um, mm-hmm. You start working with some of these athletes. At what point, like, or you start working with some of those teams. How do you then start to get this in the hands of other athletes? How do you start to market this product to this base, right? Like, obviously, you're going to want to get to everybody in America. But if you're mm-hmm. everything to everyone, you're nothing to nobody, right? That's always one of my favorite quotes. So Couldn't agree more. How mm-hmm. how do you how do you start to kind of bring this scope down a little bit to Professional athletes to then everyday athletes to weekend warriors to, hey man, like just take some before bed. You're gonna feel great when you wake up because that sounds yeah. incredible to me. Like I want to yeah. use this product now. How does that marketing journey happen? Because it's not again. It's the Titanic. Two years was a lot. You know that was quick for Maui Gym. How do you do this over a sustained period of time to get, just like that. That I guess that trickle down effect, if I may. Some of it happened by chance and,
1: and by luck, which is often the case. Um, so the, I'm, I'm the first head of marketing for the company. Um, they hadn't had a, a, a chief marketer prior to me joining. It was the founders and a core team of people who most of whom are still with us uh, now and amazing, amazing people um, finding ways to say, okay, we, we didn't start with this goal, but now we understand the implications. Like how do we broaden it? Uh, there was a chance meeting with uh, Meb Kofleski meb is a marathon champion he won new york and he won boston the year after the bombing in boston uh pretty well known in the running world and the use case for the product with marathon runners was that if you're running for two hours historically you might be consuming 25 grams of sugar in a gel form four or five times during a run whoa that's right so if you think about the exertion you're putting your body through over two hours, right? They, these guys are running insane time, you know, five minute miles for two hours, um, and just dumping sugar into their body because they're trying to save themselves from that crash, right? So they're going through that roller coaster. He, uh, in a in a plastic baggie, trusted the founders enough to say, "I will take this before I run mar- uh, the New York Marathon tomorrow." Took it and he ended up winning. And he was not a favorite. It wasn't so he had never won a, a you know a major marathon before that, and that was kind of the start of the brand's path into endurance, where you have athletes who are training for long periods of time, consuming lots of sugar, over long periods of time, and many of whom ended up being diabetic or diagnosed with diabetes because of the amounts of sugar that they were they were taking in during their training and and during competition. So, uh, the brand then said, here's a great opportunity for us. We're going to be a brand for endurance runners, but the application is so much broader than that. And so when we, when Kellogg came in as an investor and the other major investors came in, it was like, how do we broaden the scope of this? Cause we can't use, um, I'll, I'll make it up. We can't use Tom Brady holding our bottle after a Super Bowl win, because we don't have the rights to do that. Right. Or we couldn't, you know, hypothetically use, um, whoever, some NBA champions, uh, because we're blocked. So let's go into running uh, where we have some believers in the product that have just done had the race of their lives uh, and do that. And so that's really the opportunity that we have is to take the awareness and the credibility that we have with endurance runners who know the importance of energy over long periods of time of training and convince people like yourself that, there's a better way to consume energy than relying on a spike and, and crash from a, a five-hour energy or a Red Bull.
0: <clears throat> yeah, five-hour energies, man. They they used to be awesome in college. Um, not not so much anymore, unfortunately. Can't yeah. really do that. Uh, it's it's not the same. But I think it's such like, and it, it's it sounds very natural, right? It sounds like a hey, like we can't utilize some of these biggest biggest baddest athletes unfortunately because of you know these giant league deals these giant team deals and you guys are a much smaller company as you said it was only a few of you hard to come up with i don't know a cool hundred million dollars let's call it that doesn't just happen but then the opportunity to get into endurance running is a great one because that is a whole community and runners are crazy right like they're like whoa like more power to them i have a friend who actually works at a lot of these marathons and she's incredible and the people she works with are incredible and she says these, yeah, these runners are amazing people. Like yeah. man, they're yeah. they're like a different breed of human being. I say crazy is like they're so much better than me in just about every way, shape, or form. Right. But right. how like how do you then make that connection? Because that is such a niche market, right? Like, yeah, however many people run the New York City marathon a year, however many people run marathons all around the world. I mean, it's like a pin drop in the ocean, I feel like. It's not nearly as much as getting on an NFL broadcast or something like that. So how right. do you then start to make that connection? Like it's probably easy with runners. Hey, just try it. You try the product once it's going to work. You're going to love it. How do you then uh-huh. get that next, that next layer of, as you said, the applications are so much broader than running a marathon. I'm never right. going to run a marathon. Mark my <laughs> words, Scott. I do a 5k <laughs> every single year. I love that 5k. I will to the uh, until I, they stop letting me run it. Mm -hmm. But I'm never going to run a marathon. So how do you then get someone like me to learn about the product in in an organic way saying, hey, man, like this isn't going to replace your coffee. It's not going to replace your first cup of coffee in the day. I get that. But man, that second cup of coffee, if you take this, you're not even going to want it. You're not going to need it. Like, how do you then replace that second cup of coffee? Because I think that's the that's the challenge at this point for Mm mainstream America. Right.
1: Mm hmm. And, and, and that became a focus, uh, of course, when that's one of the reasons they brought me on board is we're, we're good in running, we're good in triathlon, uh, ultra marathoners know the product, you know, we, we don't have penetration with those, in, you know, entire communities, but at an elite level, we have the best. Um, and for the, the folks who follow them and really care about their nutrition and are concerned about sugar intake, you know, we were able to build a consumer base with that. Then uh, I started talking to some folks in CrossFit. Um, Scott Panchik is one who's one of the kind of legends of CrossFit. And I don't know how familiar you are with with that group. I I wasn't that familiar with it either. But um, he came to us (laughs) probably three or four months after the pandemic hit. Um, There was an issue with the CEO of CrossFit and a bunch of controversy we just said, you know, it's, it's not the right time, you know, like maybe, you know, we'll send you product. Thanks for reaching out. He came to us. Um, and six months later, or so his wife went through labor and and she's a CrossFitter as well. And she said, the only reason I survived labor was so you can, those products got me through it. Uh, cause it, we're all natural. There's no, you know, there's no reason why she wouldn't be able to take it. Um, and she went through a long labor, and credited us because you can't eat anything either. Mm-hmm. So she credited us with like helping survive it. And she said, I don't I don't care if they even pay you, like just become a spokesperson for that brand. We have a lot of stories like that where athletes are just coming to us and saying like, how do I get involved here? How can I help? <clears throat> and if you think about CrossFit when you're doing a 45 minute workout at a very intense level, it's the same kind of thing as running for two hours. You know, their, their heart rates are up in the 170s, 180s. Um, they're really pushing their bodies to the max. So it's not just, you know, a 25 minute wad, it's 45 minutes of exertion. Um, and then if you're doing that multiple times a day, as you prepare for competition over the course of a week, it's endurance training. It's really what you're doing for your body. So that was a natural progression for us to say, you know, we're good if you're doing a two or four hour run, we're good if you're training two or three times a day doing CrossFit. And so, That's where we started. And then, of course, at the same time with the pandemic, uh, Peloton, Mm. where they have 30, 45 minute rides that was starting to explode. Um, Hydro or yeah, Hydro, which is a rowing rowing machine. Yeah. Right. Like there are a lot of people doing very long rows on that. So suddenly it became like not just an endurance running kind of brand, but what are the opportunities with digital fitness that we can tap into and help consumers see the benefits of our product as people were working out more. And so that was a little bit of the migration that that took place. And now we're trying to make that a bigger part of our brand
0: does awesome yeah i mean that makes sense the peloton one especially makes sense i mean i know i know people that have it they every everybody that i know has one loves it so it's i don't want to join the cult but i'm like kind of considering it because it sounds like (laughs) fun too so like i don't know worst things we'll see if the company's still around in a couple years i guess i don't know exactly but um (laughs) things have changed (laughs) a little bit (laughs) things have changed a little bit um how like so you also work with some like right we're talking about these specific athletes you also work with Alex Smith, like. Who, yeah. what football fan doesn't know who Alex Smith is, right? Went to Utah, was incredible, number two overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, had some weird mm-hmm. years, came out, did was very good with the Chiefs, obviously has that gruesome injury with the um with the the Washington football team Redskins. now. Or the, yeah. whatever the hell. I don't even know. That's the third name change, whatever. The commander, <laughs> there we go. Um how how did that relationship come about? And like, it, again, was it him like, being you know, like, Hey guys, I really love the product. Can we do something here? Or was this something where you reached out? I'm curious, especially with athletes at that level. Uh, and now he's on TV and just being a broadcaster, which he's very good at mm-hmm. talking, which is nice. So like, how does, how does something like yeah. that happen? Especially like, this is a different level now, right? We're, we're, we're in the literal big leagues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he's someone who the company's had a relationship with for a while, even pre-injury uh, when he first left the chiefs and went to Washington uh, the, the team dietitian there, <clears throat> Jake Sokol, introduced him to UCAN, and then he had, of course, the horrific injury. But just backing up for a second, I would say 90% of our athletes on we, what we call Team UCAN uh, have come to us and said, I want to be a part of this. It wasn't like mm-hmm. going through a sports agency and we're saying, hey, we'll write you a check for X dollars to bring you on board. Uh, they've come to us and asked us how we can get involved. And then we figure out what the relationship looks like <clears throat> with Alex. It was one where uh, he enjoyed the product. He felt like it truly made a difference for him in the second half of games and helped him perform at a higher level. And then with the injury, and I can't imagine, but going through the rehab for so many hours a day. Oh
0: yeah, that's a good and point.
1: The, Right. And the pain that he's going through, the last thing he wanted was to run out of, energy when his body was responding to rehab and he he was just too tired or he didn't he didn't have those energy stores to to actually finish a session Mm -hmm. and he became i don't want to say reliant because the product's not addictive at all but he really became uh, a big consumer of the product just to make sure that energy was out of the equation it just became about his response to the to the treatment and so after he retired he reached out And there was an investment opportunity that presented itself with the company. And he very quickly raised his hand um, and said, I want to get involved. I want to help you guys. He believes everyone in the world should know about this product, which is absolutely the kind of ambassador that you want to have where it's not transactional at all. He went through an experience where, you know, we helped him uh, from a product perspective, get through a very traumatic thing.
0: And that authentic relationship, I think, is going to carry us a long way. I think the bringing up the rehab aspect of it, right? Like so many athletes go through rehab. I mean, recovery is literally a part of any elite athlete's day. Like, you know, this whole time you're thinking of it from like, oh, I'm I'm putting out energy because I'm doing X, Y, Z. You kind of forget about like, I've never been through their kind of rehabs and let's Mm. hope that I never have to. The amount of – what they have to do, rehab becomes a full-time job, right? Russell Wilson, what he did, I don't know if you've got him on the product, but that – I mean, sounds like he would love it. But, um I mean, when he – you know, this past season when he came back and he talked about how he was rehabbing for, like, 18 hours a day, which I roll my eyes a little bit. I do like Russell Wilson, but we roll our eyes a little bit. But it's just <laughs> one of those things. Like, if you're constantly putting out that energy to heal yourself, I mean, it, mm-hmm. there there is inherent, like – burning of energy there right it's just one of those things so like just it it makes sense when you said it like that absolutely makes sense and i could see that being a huge help in just that aspect as well so again just getting more people to understand the product i think is is just is fantastic and so is it so i guess explain the product is does it come in powder does it come in bar form like how where can i find it where can i go buy this can you send me some like how do we go about (laughs) finding this (laughs) about i will absolutely
1: i will absolutely send you some uh i I don't know if russell wilson has used it i can say nine of the 14 playoff teams this past year um we're were not sure what those other five are doing but okay Uh, they didn't make it um <laughs> oh all right let's say that there we go now we're <laughs> starting
0: to figure this out a little bit
1: um so we we do offer powders uh there's our regular energy powder and then we have a protein plus energy powder uh whey and plant options which are really good we have whey protein bars and plant based bars um all of these have live steady which is the kind of the core thread through all of this that's what delivers that steady energy to your body without disrupting your blood sugar levels and then just this, a year ago, April, uh, April 2nd, we launched a product called The Edge, which is a pre-mixed uh, packet of, of the Live Steady product in a pouch. That's really you just tear it open, slurp it down, no sugar, um, which I've started using before workouts. It's so much easier than than a blender bottle. Uh, so that's really become our hero product. And we're looking at some innovation around that in the very near future that adds protein to that as well. So really exciting times. Uh, we sell direct <clears throat> through you can.co and we're also available through Amazon. And I would also ask your local, uh, fitness retailer or or running store for product as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's important. We need to let the people know how Amazon's super easy, probably better yeah. cut if you go right to the website, but I get so many Amazon gift cards. I'm probably gonna have to buy it there just at least one time. I hope that's okay, Scott. Okay. And like, I guess of like, course. so you have, this one core product, right? You have this incredible, incredible product, live steady. How like you as a marketer, right? Now you're, you're okay. Well now we can do it plant-based. That's incredible, right? There's a whole subsect of the market. That's going to need that. Now you're Mm -hmm. kind of just, I don't want to say just, you're kind of packaging it differently, right? Like, Oh, you can get it in bar format. You can get it here, here. How as a marketer, right? It's still the same core product. How do you differentiate, like the differences between them and making sure all the people like, how is that, does that hold you back in any way, shape or form?
1: Great question. Um, You know, we're, we're we're trying to play toward usage occasions and acceptable product formats for different consumers. So for the CrossFit audience, and I'm speaking in generalities here, um, they're probably more likely to have a shaker bottle and and mix up a smoothie when they wake up before they head to the gym very early in the morning whereas if it's um, a usage occasion where i'm bridging between meals but i want healthy efficient calories just grabbing a bar is very convenient for me and, and they, they taste great too so it's not you don't have to sacrifice on that but it's a, a good way like i said to bridge and, and not screw up your diet and then the the protein formats are you get the the added benefit of faster recovery with protein, uh, but you're not hangry after a workout where you're undoing all the work you just did by raiding the fridge and trying to, you know, satisfy that uh, drop in energy that you just you just uh, created by working out so hard. So, you know, we're, we're, we're focused more on like practical uses of the product and how we can deliver it in the most convenient format versus trying to find new ways to dream up, uh, you know, how, how we can get you to try the product. We're trying to, you know, really be, um, consumer minded in our approach and
0: what, what's going to work best for your lifestyle. Yeah. I think the bars probably does it for me. Um, cause I have, a pro- as I said, I, I eat a protein bar just about every day. They're delicious. And if there's yeah. less sugar, less sugar intake, I don't like, I try not to eat too much sugar cause we all kind of know it's not that great for you. A little bit's fine, right? Everything in moderation, but those bars, man, it's like, I look at it every day. I'm like, do I really need to put of my daily sugar in just this this bar is like this big. (laughs) I really don't think I do. So hopefully we can figure out a way around that. Um, Man, this has been been awesome. Super enlightening, super eye-opening. There is other stuff out there. Hopefully we can do our best to get the message out there because I think it's really important, right? Just the just drinking coffee all day, right? Like that used to be the thing in the office. It's like, oh, here's my sixth cup of coffee. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like we got to yeah. stop that. If there's yeah. a way to keep that sustained energy over a period of time without those spikes, as you said, without those crashes, you're not going to do your best work on your way down. Yeah, you, you might be on fire on the way up, but if the second half of that is you getting pissed off and and not really you know, focusing and not being great, that's not a good thing. I'd rather have that kind of just that steady level Hey, we're here. We're good. We don't need to do too much anymore. So I think that's awesome. Exactly. Anything if, else? That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, if, if
1: for anyone who's inclined to try it, um, I would suggest trying it for three days and then don't take the product for a couple of days and just see if you feel different because it's not like, a, it's not a stimulant. You're not, you're not going to feel a sudden rush of energy. You're just going to feel, it's almost like a placebo effect. You're like, wait, why do I feel so good? Like, is it just a good day that I sleep well last night? Um, but we have
0: clinical research that says it's, it is the product that's helping you feel that good. So here's a question. How do you kind of combat that? Because right. People are looking, as you said, instant gratification, people are looking Mm -hmm. for that. Like, no, I want to feel good. I want to feel good now. How do you get the consumer? Like, again, endurance athletes, it's probably very easy. Like, Hey man, try it. You'll hear it. You'll feel it the first shot. Professional athletes. Mm -hmm. All right. How do you kind of combat that? Hey, like, as you said, I. Best way to sell a product: tell someone not to buy it, right? So, kudos, congratulations, <laughs> to you, mascot, you are a marketer. Look at that! But, like, how do you combat that in the public eye of saying, like, I know you just said it here, but it's hard to put that in a commercial, right? Like, it just is. try it for three days, then stop trying it. Right? Like, don't right. use my product. How do you put that information out there in a way that people are like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, let me see if it works. How does that work?
1: Well, I've been I've been trying to find the magic bullet for the uh, last two years or so. But he, here's what I'll say: the, I think for the consumer we're targeting now, right? Which is not your elite athlete, your podium athlete. Um, We still very much cater to them and we know the product will deliver uh, on the efficacy that they expect. And we're not changing the product, but for, for someone like yourself, if I can tell you that you're going to have balanced nutrition for all day energy, that doesn't require caffeine or stimulants. I think that's an easier way in for us than to talk to you about stable blood sugar, or sustained energy levels or, um, things that you may not, may not be top of mind for you, but if I can position it in a way where it's like, that sounds intriguing, maybe I'll learn more or maybe I'll just give it a shot. I think that's going to be the key for us to, to really opening
0: up the next phase of the company. Brilliant, man. And Hey, it sounds like they got the guy to do that. Um, Scott Barillo vice president of marketing for you can check out the product. I'll have links in the show notes for anyone who wants to go check it out. I'll put the, uh, you can links. I'll also put the Amazon links cause everybody's already got the Amazon account. <laughs> Credit cards already hooked up. I know it's not great for you, not as good for you, but Hey, we just want people to pr- try the product right now. Cause I think that's the most important part. So, um, or where can everyone follow you? Tell us websites, give, give us all that information one more time. If you don't mind. It's you
1: uh, or, and or Amazon slash you can. um, and then I'm on LinkedIn for anybody that would like to connect and learn more would be more than happy to,
0: to connect. Love thank it. you for the opportunity, Michael. Really now, appreciate it. Again, this is, the, we just, was that the quickest 50 minutes of your life? Like that's what it I'm talking really about, was. Man. <laughs> We're trying to have fun here. So one more time, Scott Perillo, vice president of marketing at UCAN. I appreciate you, Scott. I appreciate everyone listening. Your time is the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you to everyone out there for giving me a little bit of yours. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Thanks everybody. Have a great rest mm-hmm. of your day. Cheers.